0: The Talk Chicago, 1690 WBON. I'm Curtis R. Monday, the host of the show, the Urban Business Roundtable. Give me a call right now in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. I want to hear from you today. We have a phenomenal show lined up for your day on this gloomy, gloomy Saturday. Today is one of them Saturdays when you just want to stay in the bed and Underneath the cover and just straight chill. My goodness, my goodness. But we hope that we can give you much, enough information to lighten up your, your disposition here on this Saturday morning. The show is called the Urban Business Roundtable, It's is so dedicated to the creation and growth of the urban entrepreneur and small business owner. We got three primary goals here on the Urban Business Roundtable, or how we like to call it, UBR. One, we want to redefine the word urban and help the urban community leverage their purchasing power. Two, we want to be a resource for the creation, the sustaining and growth of small businesses and entrepreneurship. And then three, we want to provide small business owners and entrepreneurs access to capital and opportunities to grow their businesses. If I had to to add a fourth to that, it would be to provide inspiration, right? You know, sometimes entrepreneurship and starting your own business is just not about talent. and It's just not about money. Sometimes you just need to be inspired. You, you know, you just need to, we're in a time right now where hope is is waning, especially if you're African-American. I mean, we got pressures coming from all angles on a daily basis. We need hope, you know, something to inspire us, something to say we can do it. And sometimes you need to, you know, have a visual. And I may talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But in the other instances, like with the Urban Business Roundtable, is hearing. Faith comes by hearing, right? And so sometimes your faith can be renewed or restored or reinvigorate it by hearing hearing what some other individuals have done, how they've taken an an idea, how they've been able to take a talent and turn that idea and turn that talent and mix it with grind and mix it with hustle and, bam, develop something. And so that's what we try to do on Urban Business Roundtable. We try to be that conduit of inspiration. You can listen to the Urban Business Roundtable live every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., And catch the Condensed Recap on Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. and Thursdays at 6.05 p.m. On today's show at 9.35, 9.35, we have the founder of Travelocity and the co-founder of Kayak.com, Mr. Terry Jones. going to talk about his journey and also uh, about disruptions. We all face disruptions. We know what disruptions are. You have an idea that you're going to do something and then something throws you off. That's called a disruption. He's going to talk about disruptions in business and how businesses need to respond uh, in an environment full of disruptions. And uh, another guest is really no guest at all. He's uh, a, a forefather, so to speak. Actually, he uh, did the urban business Roundtable years ago in a different format, even before I, I did it. Uh, and you, you heard him here on the urban. I mean, you heard him here on dollars and cents. If you follow my career, we have the uh, one and only professor received Carter, tenured professor of economics and business at Harold Washington College will be joining us to talk about the economy of about 920. I want you to follow me on all social media outlets on, I, on IG, Instagram, that's C Monday, on Facebook, that's Curtis R Monday. Call my office at 708 647 1005 to get your financial house in order. That's still the goal. We still got to get things in order and get things uh, in line not just for the here and now, but for the next generation. So you need help with that? 708-647-1005. And be sure to pick up the book, The Game, The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor. Uh, A lot of support. I appreciate you guys for all that you do, all the posts on social media, all the individual, all my, my mentees. We have a growing horde, a cohort, if you will, of mentees who are diligently seeking uh, information, seeking knowledge, uh, about how to do this thing. And I'm more than happy to share with them, uh, what I know, you know, before we get into the proceedings, I'd like to share with different nuggets that have always been dropped in my spirit in the week. And, and what's been hit, what's been pressed upon me is this thing, obstacles and opportunities, right? Obstacles. We all have them. We all face them. But the difference between success and failure is how you respond to the opportunity. In, in, in fact, I think it even starts a little bit before that in order to overcome the obstacle, you can't look at the obstacle because sometimes the obstacle seems insurmountable. I'm pretty sure when a person said, I want to climb Mount Everest, they looked at it and said, well, how in the hell am I going to do that? That's a pretty tall mountain. Ah, uh, You can't look at the obstacle. You can't look at it in the, in, in 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 the flesh because sometimes you become intimidated sometimes it it be, seems too overwhelming too insurmountable you're able to overcome your obstacle when your reason for overcoming it is greater than the obstacle let me say it again when your why when the reason or the purpose of you doing this thing that you want to do is greater or more important than the obstacle then the obstacle will cease to exist if if the, the the passion behind what it is you're trying to do in business is greater than the bank telling you no, we can't give you any money, you're gonna start that business. If your why for starting the business is greater than your friends telling you you can't be successful at this business, you're gonna be able to start that business. You have to be able to know and embrace the idea that your why, the reason why you're doing this thing. Is greater than the obstacle you're facing my why has morphed it's always been to empower people it's always been to educate about insurance and financial services to do my little part to leave an imprint on the the, the, the change in the financial landscape the, the the financial legacy within my community that's always been my why it's been my professional why my personal why started December 2nd 2018 with the birth of chance Jordan and so the game the book. And 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 why I decided to write the book at the time and I an did is because I crystallized my why, right? My 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 why is to leave something for him. I'll try to make my mark on society, but I want to be able to leave something tangible for him, right? He may decide not to do it. He may decide to say to hell pops, I don't want any properties. I want to do X Y Z. He will have the freedom to do that. God willing, if God said be, he'll have the freedom to, to do that. Because I would do my part with every breath that I have in my body to make sure that I've given him resources and tools to help him be successful in that endeavor. In addition to love and spiritual guidance and time and, and all the things that that's needed to nurture and cultivate his spirit and personalities, emotions. But from a financial perspective, my why has become to leave something for him, the next generation. That's why I write the book, the game, to help give a blueprint as how you can use one tool, real estate, to get to that next level. And that's my why. And I don't care what the obstacle is, right? Because my why for him is greater than that obstacle. When the why and why you want to do something is greater than the obstacle that you're looking at, that obstacle will cease to exist. And that's, that's truth. That's just truth. The, the other thing I want you to, to realize also is that you want to combine your discipline and your passion. When you can combine your discipline, and your passion, doesn't matter what's going on around you. doesn't matter what people say about you, right? And you combine your discipline, your passion, you're focused. And when you got that focus, you can achieve almost any business endeavor that, that you're trying to do. Let your grind and your hustle speak for yourself. When you got to discipline and passion and your focus in line, all you gotta do is grind and let your ground speak for yourself. And again, that business or, or that endeavor you're trying to do entrepreneurially or in life in general, would be uh, a little bit easier for you to do. And so, again, that's my two cents today. One small tidbit before I transition off that. This hope thing, right? We're going to hear some stories uh, from uh, some of our guests about how they were able to to take what they did and morph it into something great. But this hope thing is really big. Sometimes overcoming the obstacle is just being able to see an example of somebody who did it, right? Right. If if you're a person who has an idea about a business, you want to start something and you don't quite know how to do it. Sometimes you just got to see somebody else who did it to inspire you to give you the hope that, hey, if he or she did it, I can do it, too. Right. Yeah. Business, their talents and, and there's resources, there's finances, there's how to market and there's strategies. And we talk about those things. But a lot of the battle starts with just how you think about things. And sometimes you just need an example. For me, the example was a guy named Charles McGee. Right. He was he was I had people talking to me about insurance and becoming an agent and things of that nature. But what crystallized it for me was when I met this guy named Charles McGee. He was a state farm agent, had been an agent for a couple of years um, before I was. And I was just kind of starting out going through the business planning and just trying to, you know, get my ideology in terms of how I wanted to start my business. But when I saw him three or four years in, uh, he had, he had the Montel Jordan um White Escalade, the first one that ever came out. He had the first Chrysler 300M, the first one that came out. Not the one that looks like the knockoff Bentley, but the one before that one. And he had a house in Dalton, right? And to me, a kid growing up from the south side of Chicago, an urban kid, I'm like, wow, this dude did this. He didn't sell drugs and kill anybody. He didn't rob anybody. And he just hard work. And he did this and he got this. And, and that resonated with me. I, I, you call it. The trivial, call it frivolous, whatever you want, it resonated with me. And I saw that and it gave me the hope and inspiration that I, too, can become an entrepreneur, that I can do this. I saw someone else in my community who did it and I can do it, too. And sometimes with your business and entrepreneurship, it starts with an idea and a faith and hope and believe in yourself. You want to overcome your obstacle. But also a part of that is just having an example of somebody who did it and I can do it, too. So that's my two cents today. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back at nine thirty-five, we have uh, this founder of uh, uh, Travelocity coming up, uh, up right after the break. The one and only Professor Rasheed Carter. We're going to talk about the economy and how COVID nineteen has ran rampant in our economy. Curtis R. Monday here on the Urban Business Roundtable.
1: Like the
2: one you get from Mike <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome
0: back to the Urban Business Roundtable. You listen to the Mike Jordan of insurance The whole of real estate <laughs> Curtis R. Monday here When you hear The only Jay-Z and Michael Jackson compilation I've ever heard in my life You gotta know that our producer, the great Sonya LeVon, is in the studio That's her In, in addition to booking great guests That's her, her contribution to the show Is that Mike Jordan, I mean that Mike Jackson and jay-z confirmation call me live in the studio at 773-591-1690 that's 773-591-1690 coming up at around 935 we have mr terry jones he's the founder of travelocity uh, and the co-founding chairman of kayak.com he's also the author of a new book called disruption off Uh, our next guest as i said before is really no guest at all uh he's been here on um uh, WVN numerous times and has been the main stay uh, with me uh, in my, in my professional career back in the dollars and cents days. He did a uh, very important segment called the economist view when we wanted to figure out how to, what information to disseminate to uh, our community. Uh, the economy was a big part of it and wanted to figure out how we can have a discussion about economics and the economy and the principles of uh, the economy, both micro and macro in a way that, was readily and easily understandable. And so when I thought about that, I couldn't find a a better person uh, to help me do that. And so our next guest, he's now a a tenured professor of economics uh, and business at Hare Washington College. He serves as a lead faculty of Goldman Sachs to 10,000 small businesses. Uh, He's a national and the national and Chicago programs. He's also was just elected to his third term as treasurer of the Cook County uh, College Teachers Union. Uh, father of two great boys, one of my close friends, one of the smartest guys I know one of the greatest minds that, that, that we have, uh, the one and only Professor Rasheed Carter. Good morning to you, Professor Carter.
1: Hey, how you doing, Mr. Monday? Oh, wow,
0: wow, man. You know, I tell the listening audience, you were the, the my, my predecessor here on the Urban Business Roundtable because for those who don't know, before the format changed to the format is here now, it was done another way, and for years, the voice you heard consistently, in addition to Dollars and Cents, was the one and only Professor Racine Carter. So thank you, sir. I appreciate you.
1: Well, you know what? I appreciate the lead up, but I'm not necessarily um, sure if I'm deserving of all of those plaudits, but I'll take them gladly.
0: All right. All right. Now, as a disclaimer, you know, Professor Racine Carter is is a wealth of knowledge and information, and it's almost a disservice to the information he brings to the table to condense it in a short segment. We're going to do our best And I'm going to throw some questions out here, and I want Professor Carter to to do his very best to kind of help us connect the pieces in in the time that we have um, set up. And so, Professor Carter, the economy. And when I turn on the news and I look at the – and I hear things about the economy, it seems like it's two different worlds. It almost sometimes feels like it's a bizarre world, and I don't really know what's up and what's down, what's down, what's up. On one end, I hear that – you know, that certain people in the segment of the economy and the financial markets is doing well. Wall Street is doing record numbers, and uh, people are are, and corporate earnings are shooting through the roof. But then on the other end, some 30 million-plus people are still unemployed. A lot of my constituents, a lot of my policyholders, a lot of people in my community, people of color, are hurting. Small businesses are shutting down. And I'm like, well, what the hell? What is the real truth? Give us, our listening audience, a a, a synopsis, a, a quick synopsis of, how you view the economy right now?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I'll try to do it as cogently as I possibly can, but um, you're right on point with um, thinking about things in a way that uh, allows us to see uh, that the the pandemic uh, specifically has impacted various parts of the marketplace um, uh, very differently. And so while you have generally seen the economy uh, suffer, uh, so that, you know, during the mid-year of the, um, of the economy's response to the pandemic, around uh, March, April, uh, in, near the end of the second quarter of this year, you saw the, uh, the economy you know, lose about 20% of its value. You saw the uh, unemployment rate uh, skyrocket to over 22 million uh, people unemployed. Um, and you saw the economy in a very vulnerable place, right? And that pretty much um, uh, hit all aspects of the economy. However... Uh, what we have to parse out is a couple of different things. Number one, when you talk about the performance of the stock market, the stock market is not a good reflection of the overall health of the economy because the stock market is literally just a market of businesses that are offering positions uh, for either you know buying or selling stocks, right? And usually the markets that we look at, whether it be NASDAQ, the S&P 500, et cetera, they only deal with a relatively small cross-section of businesses. I mean, the SP, S&P 500 literally concentrates on 500 companies, 500 of the biggest um, companies, um, and literally there are over 30 million companies in the entire United States of America alone. And so those companies, uh, which are largely predicated um, on technologies, are going to have a disproportionate um, a sort of a positive uh, impact on the marketplace. So that you know, a company, um, I was just reading this week about how the company SoftBank bought um, a purchase positions in uh, different tech companies because um, they wanted to uh, bolster some of their holdings, diversify some of their holdings in the marketplace based on some bad bets that they've recently made. And so that one purchase, because of the scale of it, that artificially boosted uh, the performance of tech-based stocks. And so if you have stock markets, um, like, you know, like I said, the S&P and NASDAQ that are heavily reliant on uh, technology companies, and that's going to make it appear is that, the, is that the entire marketplace is increasing in performance when really it's just a reflection of a few big players in that particular market space. But when we think about the average small business or the average household, particularly those in um, the Black community, uh, what you find is that Um, there's a a disproportionate negative impact on those um, businesses. And so with small businesses, um, you'll find that, uh, you know, Black businesses typically uh, are disproportionately based in food service, health care, and other types of uh, business interactions that involve Uh, Low technology and high touch. And so a lot of those small businesses, when um, the shutdown, the lockdown happened, um, they really fell off the map, literally going from a place where revenue was um, at one number X to um, literally zero. And you saw that across the board with a lot of African American businesses and small businesses across the board suffer through the same thing. And so, because small businesses again rely on um, high touch frequency with their consumers, when you had the lockdown and then since then the restrictions on marketplace interactions, you know, obviously it could tell the spread of the pandemic. Um, what you had happen is small business fortunes uh, fall um, in proportion to that limited touch. And of course, with black owned businesses, what you find is that. They're already behind the eight ball because they're disproportionately a part of those particular sectors that require high touch. And they, all, um, they also don't make as much revenue, um, don't have an easy access to loans, and are usually located in communities where um, you have populations that are more predisposed to uh, contracting COVID and then also um, suffering really um, extreme health effects from it. And so what that tends to do is diminish your workforce. Diminish your customer base and put uh, further downward pressure on the prospect of small businesses to survive through something like this pandemic. And then the last thing that I'll um, uh, point to is a household factor. And so we think about black households. The typical black worker, uh, let's talk about the black household first. The typical black household, of course, the um, uh, profile is that they have a single-wage earner or income earner. Um, of course, uh, what you find is that that single-wage or income earner makes less than the baseline comparison, say, for instance, from the typical uh, white household, um, and that their job positions are usually involved in those sectors, again, that are high-touch. And so if you put that together, what that means is you, um, you have the a household that is in um, a higher risk or in jeopardy of uh, falling off the financial cliff if um, that person contracts COVID-19 or gets sick. Um, If you find that there's some type of contraction in the industry that person is um, forced to work in, then that person, of course, is going to be one of the first ones either experiencing diminishing wages or or getting fired altogether. Um, And then, of course, um, if they're out working uh, what you have is that person being typically exposed in industries where they come into contact with people, which means that they can bring some of that sickness back home and have it put um, other health effects on the rest of the household, which of course is also going to require payments for health related services and then also cause other financial distress. And so um, that whole entire formula usually uh, predicts dire circumstances for the black household and then the black community in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well said. I, um, there's a movie that, one of my favorite movies is Jurassic Park. There was a scene in Jurassic Park where they were, the scientists were, were astonished at, at the fact that the dinosaurs were replicating themselves because the dinosaurs were genetically created to be all female. And one of the, the, the actors, uh, characters in the movie uh, commented that, you know, nature finds a way, like life would always find a way. And that's kind of what I see right now within our community and in, 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 in this country. Uh, We've been dealing with COVID since about March. So we're six months in and things set down and we're trying to figure this thing out, but slowly and surely I I see us as a country trying to find our way. We're finding a way to navigate. I saw a, 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 uh, a billboard say that the movie theater is back open as of August 28th. I love movie theaters. And, and even though I know what's going on with COVID, I'm asking myself and trying to, to do the risk versus reward analysis in my head if it's worth it. But what I'm seeing is that in every aspect of the business and every aspect of the economy, we are finding a way. So it gives me some hope. And that is a backdrop. If you can give us an idea, 12 month forecast in your opinion and what you think the economy looks like as we still
1: deal with this pandemic man that is the 50 million dollar question and the the thing that i can uh, really say and i know that you know that your listener the average listener of n is a pretty um, highly intelligent person a lot of education and they're pretty tuned in to um, the news and so uh, what i'm saying is not going to be brand new but uh, the thing that has to happen first is we have to have a a focused response to um, the, the health ep- epidemic that's facing our country, right? And so if um, our future prospects, especially if we're looking at a time horizon of tw- 12 months off, um, if we're gonna see a uptick in economic performance, some return to normal normalcy, then what we're gonna have to do is it going to have a unified response where the federal government state governments, local governments are all in lockstep around uh, these principles that are going to um, really seriously curtail the spread of the pandemic and so if that happens uh, sooner rather than later, then I think all of the metrics that we usually um, uh, use to gauge the performance of the economy on a local and the national level you'll start to see those um, increase right now we're starting to see a positive trend in the in the um, the pos- in the um in the uh, direction of unemployment starting to fall. You're starting to see, of course, business revenues creep back up. You're starting to see economic growth happen. You're starting to see wages and incomes tick back up. And it's because of what you said. It's because we're all kind of, you know, trending back towards normalcy, which makes sense because this is what we do. We want to do the thing that we've been doing for the entirety of our lives, as opposed to this blip on the radar, this anomaly that really caused us uh, to act um, in ways that are not necessarily reflective of our nature. And so um, we're going to do that. Now, in the near term, that's fine, and economic performance will, of course, increase commiserate to those uh, behaviors. But the thing we have to fear is that when flu season comes, if the pandemic starts to spread and deepen, um, then that's going to cause us to maybe retrench, possibly go back into lockdown, and then suffer through what we went through the second quarter of this year, where we start to see the same sort of decline in general economic outcomes for households and then also for the economy writ large. And so, again, If we're going to, uh, uh, on a micro scale, if we look at a household or community and say, okay, what do we have to do to stabilize ourselves? One of the things that I would say right now, this is the advice that we give small businesses in our 10,000 Small Business Program, is we talk about how you have to take precaution in terms of keeping your household healthy right? And so you have to be able to resist temptation to put yourself in risky situations. And so um, you want to keep the household healthy, and you also need to give the advice to your customers to do the same type of thing, and you have to make certain that you keep that as a standard for your interaction if you're a small business owner, right? You have to keep the space in which you operate as healthy as possible, yeah. and that will lead to positive revenue gain. And um, in terms of households, what um, you can do, of course, is we see this um, uh, these, these three areas where um, households or individuals in households, especially in the black community, uh, could typically fall. You can either be someone who's um, unemployed um, and uh, have no health risk because you're just unemployed. You're not in the marketplace. You're employed, but you have health risk because you come into contact with people. And then, of course, you can be um, someone who's more highly skilled. You can stay at home. You have fewer health risks. And so the thing you could do now is, If you're looking at just making yourself viable in the economy is continue to increase your skill level so that you can be in a position where you can use technology, keeping yourself out of harm's way, way, and then also giving yourself some undoubted stability. Those are the principal things that I would say for now.
0: Man, well said, Professor Carter. We appreciate you as always. Thank you for your abundance and wealth of information. Keep doing what you're doing, and we hope to speak to you soon.
1: Appreciate you. Have a good day.
0: All right, sir. Professor Receive Carter, uh, tenured professor over at Hal Washington Community College, just to take a quick break. Come back on the other side. We got the founder of Travelocity, um, Mr. Terry Jones, will be joining us here on the Urban Business Roundtable. Welcome back to the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host, Curtis R. Monday. Give me a call live in the studio at 773-591-1690, 591 1690 Great information about the economy uh, with our very young Professor Rashid Carter. Uh, our next guest, um, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show, uh, has for the last 15 years been speaking and consulting with companies on innovation and disruption. Uh, he began his career as a travel agent, parlayed that into two startups, and then spent 20 years at American Airlines serving in a variety of management positions, including chief information officer. And while at American Airlines, he led the team that created TravelOcity.com and served as its CEO for six years, and then taking the company after that public. After Travelocity, he served as chairman of Kayak for seven years until it was sold to Priceline for one point eight billion dollars. He's the founder of Travelocity and co founding chairman of kayak dot com. And he's also the author of the new book, Disruption Off, which is available on Amazon dot com. Mr. Terry Jones. Good morning to you, Terry. How you doing, sir?
2: Great, great to be here. Great to be in Chicago, where I actually started my career as a travel agent on Well Street. Oh
0: so, wow. Wow. Um, well, well, I'm glad that you made it to the Windy City. I hate that you had to come at a time where you can't really get out to enjoy it to its full capacity.
2: Right, me too. Because I grew up there and and I love Chicago. Absolutely.
0: Well, we appreciate you and, and we thank you for for being our guest. And as you and I had this interview, my sincerest prayers that you and family and everyone you love and touch are healthy and safe during this uh, challenging time for us. Um, Terry, I mean, you you got such a a vast history and a wealth of knowledge, and we're going to try to touch as many points as we possibly can, and I know we'll talk about disruption and, 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 and what you, you're you doing in that arena. But one of the things I tell my listening audience uh, about entrepreneurship is that a lot of individuals have talent, they have an idea, they have a skill that they, that, they, that they do, but find it very difficult to make the transition from taking that talent, skill, or idea to an actual tangible business if you can briefly, how were you able to take your experience as a travel agent and then your experience at American Airlines and parlay that into your two startups?
2: Well, you know, I, I was very lucky in that Travelocity was really entrepreneurship, not entrepreneurship. We did it inside American Airlines, okay, um, which is very different than a, than a venture-backed startup. Um, it has different problems because a lot of people don't want you to succeed. You're rounding you're, uh, things up pushing the status quo. Uh, we had a huge business in American Airlines automating travel agents, a billion-dollar business, putting computers into travel agencies, and suddenly here I am going around them to build a business, go direct to consumers. Hmm. And a lot of people wanted to shut it down. Luckily, our chairman said, no, somebody's going to do that. Give it to Jones over at IT. Maybe he can do something with it. And uh, we put it on uh, the Internet, and it took off. But it, it, was, it was difficult inside a big company because – uh, purchasing was too slow. Advertising didn't understand consumers. Um, you know, the IT couldn't move fast enough. There were a lot, a lot of issues. Uh, eventually, we spun that out. Kayak was totally different. Kayak was an idea that a venture capitalist and I had um, together, working at a at a venture capital firm. And we went out and found the people to do it. But today, it's so much different because most startups. You know, are started by an idea and a couple of people and a credit card. Hmm. And what's lucky today is you have things like the cloud, which allows you to get computing power very, very cheap. You have social media, which allows you to find customers relatively cheaply. And so it is easier to have a good idea and, and turn it into a business, and many people do that uh, with help the help of family and friends and then with the help of angel investors who are those people and i'm one of them who who helps small business get started so today's a great time to start a new business in fact even during the pandemic new business formation is up 20 percent
0: yeah 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 that's a that's it, it's amazing when, when you say that number but in reality again all the oftentimes when there's a crisis there's opportunity you just have to be able to be positioned and and look close enough to be able to find it. But Terry, I'm, I'm sure there's someone listening uh, as we're having this conversation who has a small business and, or has an idea and, and, and is saying that, you know, that's that guy, lucky guy, that's just him. That, I, there's no way I can possibly do that. What one piece of, infam- or what one piece of advice would you give uh, an, an aspiring entrepreneur or someone who's in their business but they're thinking about throwing in the towel, one piece of advice from your experience that you can give them to help them along their way?
2: Well, you know, you do have to take risks to to make a new business. And if you're in an existing business, as McKinsey said recently, there's no business that's not going to change after COVID. Every business is changing. And what what got you here is not going to get you there. So you have to experiment. And people are experimenting. Look at restaurants are are changing to delivery models and some of them are saying, "I'm not going to open my restaurant again. I'm just going to be what's called a ghost kitchen and deliver." Right? Right. People who never got into e-commerce and selling online are finally getting around to it because selling online is up 50 percent. Um, grocery delivery is up 12 percent. You know, work from home. Can you help people who are working from home? Because 75 percent of companies say that many of their workers are going to work from home forever. So you got to experiment and try something and you might fail in that experiment. So fail small. But that's how you move forward is with little experiments that either work or don't work but you keep going because if you keep doing what you're doing you're gonna get what you got and you know in this new in this new world that isn't gonna work so I'd say take some risk and experiment uh, because the status quo is not what it was
0: absolutely now listen to your story it, it makes perfect sense uh, regarding the title of your book disruption off because uh, when you were developing travelosity within the infrastructure of American, you were you were essentially creating a disruption to the status quo, and so now it makes oh, perfect, yeah. so now it makes perfect sense where when you got the field study and the and the information and and the and the the, the, the real uh, uh, meat to help do what you're doing.
2: Uh, help us, well, you know. Th- you know what the difference between uh, I say disruption and innovation are two sides of the same coin. You only call it a disruption because you didn't do it <laughs> if you did it it would be an innovation right right but i didn't do it so it's a darn disruption it came after me no instead of that my first book was called on innovation okay turning innovation on this book is disruption off because it's about 10 new technologies that are coming for your business everything from 3d printing and cloud to ai yeah and what do you have to do to avoid being rolled over by them so Go ahead, I interrupted. But
0: no, no, but I wanted, but 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 I that, that, say that. no, but that, that that's a great that's a great segue. I mean, to the guy who does it, hey, you're innovator. To the guy or the company or the industry that suffers from the innovation, you're like, What well, what well, damn Terry, you disrupted everything, you know. But that that's prevalent. Yeah. Wes, you know, COVID nineteen has been a big disruptor, right? But if you really if we really oh. think about it, that's not new. Like disruptors aren't aren't new. Like Uber has disrupted the 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 cab industry, if that's the proper term. Um, Netflix sure. has disrupted the mom and pops uh, movie rentals and on demand and stopped that. Airbnb. Yeah, you
2: know, yeah.
0: There's
2: a long list. So how? And, do, and it it continues.
0: Yeah. How to talk to us about that? How do small businesses or businesses in general uh, deal or should view the, the reality that disruption will ha- will happen?
2: Well, I think you've got to look at what's happening in your industry and say, you know, uh, do I think I can stick here the way I am or can I change? You know, I tell a story I do a lot of public speaking about. I I was in a a car service like Uber, but it was before Uber and uh, going to L.A. and, you know, it's about an hour drive and I got talking to the owner and he said, could you look at my website? I I said, well, okay, I'll review your website. I got an hour and. I said, you know, there's no price here, and you can't book. Why is that? He said, oh, I want people to call me. Hmm. I said, it's the 21st century. Nobody calls you, right? (laughs) And you need to change. You need to get a different website. And he said, well, I don't want to do that. I said, look, just open two websites. You have one that you got and a new one where you can book. And let the two websites fight it out. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, see which way your customers want to go. And, unfortunately, he never did that. Okay, Wouldn't have cost him What a a new car cost him. And three years later, he went bankrupt because he didn't change. So you got to look at what's happening in your business. I mean, we talked about the restaurant business. Look at telemedicine. It's off the chart. Remote education, digital events, Internet security, all those are growing like crazy, whereas, you know, I wouldn't want to be in the travel business right now. Uh, This is a very lumpy problem we're having. You know, Marriott has the worst quarter ever, and Walmart hires 100,000 people. (laughs) So. Depending on what your business you're in, you've got to look at what the trends are and say, hey, I need to change to that. Um, Look at what people are doing in my business with X or Y and go try that. But be curious, read, look around, and be the one who does the change. I live in a little town in Nevada right now. My insurance guy about five years ago said, you know, I knew I needed to do social media, but I didn't know how. Mm. So I hired my kids. Well, mm. good for him. Now he has a great social media presence, a great presence on YouTube. He didn't know how to do it, but he knew he had to do it. So he hired his kids. Mm. Um, that's what you got to do. You don't have to know how to do it. You just know you have to do it.
0: Makes a lot of sense. So tell me this, in the midst of, uh, of COVID-19, how do businesses decide how to navigate some of these new protocols as they start to reopen and or just continue their operations?
2: Well, I think you have to understand that consumers are afraid. About 50% of consumers are afraid to travel. Uh, About the same number are afraid to go back to work. They want trust. So I think you really have to say, okay, well, some customers don't care about masks, and they don't care about touchless, and you don't care about that. But if I lost half my customers, I'd be out of business. Right. I think you have to do the most you can to make people feel safe. Right. Uh, Nobody objects if you have plexiglass up or – you know, if you ask, I mean, if you're really cleaning things and you're showing that, hey, I get this, and some of you people are really afraid, I am. I'm 72. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be careful. Yeah. Um, you have to go ahead and do that. Look at look at Amazon's uh, new store that they opened a year and a half ago that doesn't have any clerks. Yeah. looked kind of weird at the time. Now it looks like they had a crystal ball, right? <laughs> so. So I I think you have to say half the people in the country are really worried about this, and and rightfully many, many people are are perishing, and it's terrible. Um, Do those things. Do those protocols. Do the most you can to stick around because it will end, and then you're still going to be here if you find a way to do it or or build a hybrid business. Say, well, during this, I'm going to punch up my e-commerce. I'm going to get online somehow and open an online store I never did. I'm going to find a way to do it. Or I'm going to, you know, as many people did, I'm going to change to making masks. I'm going to make ventilators. I'm going to do something, you know, that works right now to keep me going while this world is changing. But, you know, what's interesting is that we don't go back. We don't go backwards. I ran Travelocity during 9-11, and I helped the government put in some of the security that we have today. That security is still there. Uh, yeah. Thank God we haven't had another major incident since then, but it didn't go away. If you go to a big building in Chicago, you still got to show your driver's license to get through an ID, right? Yeah. Because they have security. That didn't go away. This kind of stuff, this touchless stuff, cleaning things more, you know, that's not going away. Yeah. So I think we just have to understand that we don't tend not to go backwards. And work from home isn't going away. People are closing facilities, right? We're now work from home phase two. People are saying, "How do we do this long term?" Uh, I'm a public speaker. Well, guess what? My business evaporated. Yeah. What did I do? I built a little TV studio here in my yeah. office at home, and now I'm doing virtual events. Yeah, I'm learning how to how to be on TV. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, um, you got you got to go. You know, but those are the things you have to do. Stream, you got to go with the water.
0: Yeah, those yeah. are the thing. Those are the things you have to do. And and you talked You touched on it about how do businesses who are suffering shortfalls do different things temporarily in the meantime to kind of shore up their shortfall in the restaurant industry. I've seen um, people or businesses build outside canopies, right? Because people are leery about being inside closed environments with ventilation systems and things of that nature. So what do they do? They use their outside space of the business and build, large canopies or tents and people eat outside and feel better. I know that I was only going to agree to go to a restaurant if it was outdoors. And now in the wintertime in Chicago, we have hellacious winters, Terry, as you know. And so now I, I see these yep. uh, different articles where people are trying to create these individual bubbles, right? You got individual bubbles where exactly you can go. In, like, so the, they're doing different things to be able to sort the shortfalls that they're experiencing right now. But I want you to tell a listener. Yeah, the,
2: the old, people. uh, Go ahead. The old cone of silence. Remember that? That's yeah. what they're building. Exactly. The old, that old plastic shield. The old get pa- smart.
0: That's uh-huh. right. That's right. See, I, I listen to the audience. Get smart, guys. Look it up on YouTube. Great, great show back in the day. So tell me this this current disruption that, that businesses face uh, because of uh, COVID 19, um, how does it differ, in your opinion, from um, past disruptions that we saw, like usually, like when we talked about earlier about advancing technologies?
2: Well, advancing technology advances slowly, and, you know, sometimes it just sneaks up in you. This hit everybody in the face. I mean, this is one, you know, boom, we're closed. And it's also, as I said earlier, very lumpy, where I'm on the board of two internet security companies, we're doing great, travel companies are in the tank, restaurants are upside down. So it really depends on your industry first of whether you hit it or not. And then you have to say, okay, is my industry coming back? It looks like, you know, retail is going to have a real problem. J.C. JCPenney, Neiman Marcus, J.Crew, they're all gone. So that that would be a business where I'd totally reassess how am I going to do this because that's just gone online. Um, then I'd, I'd look for something different to do. If my business is just hurt like travel, it's going to come back. So how can I stay alive in the meantime? Uh, it, it, it's just a different – this – this pandemic pushed change so fast. So I was in American airlines, as you said, for 20 years, I had uh, teleconferencing 20 years ago to my remote locations. We were always worried that it would hurt travel, but it never did. Now it will because now every single person who's working, uh, not every person, but many people who are working have experienced zoom meetings and they say, hey, they're pretty good. Yeah. I'm not going to take that one day trip across the country. Um, you know, half the people who tried telemedicine say it's pretty good, yeah. right? I'm on the board of a company called Kinsey Academy. We do second-chance training for people who've lost their jobs to train them to be computer engineers. It's all online. We do it in a year. And we're swamped with people who, who say, hey, this works because we place 90% of our, our people in new jobs. Remote education works. Now, a lot of the remote education we had to do during COVID didn't work because we were just thrown into it without any planning. We didn't have time. But that will work. I think college has changed forever. So you have to look at what businesses are changed forever and say, I'm going to take some risk. I'm going to experiment. I'm going to make faster decisions. And I'm looking at which way the world is going. The world is going to remote, the world is going to online. Um, If I haven't done that, I better do that.
0: Absolutely. The book is called Disruption Off. You can get it on Amazon.com. Mr. Terry Jones, founder of Travelocity.com and co-founder of Kayak.com. Terry, we appreciate you. Enjoy your stay here in Chicago. Much safety and blessings to you and your family.
2: Same to you, man. Thanks very much for having me on. All right, brother. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.
0: Man, wealth of information from a guy that's that's had some uh, success uh, with business. Uh, he talked about innovation. He talked about disruptors. He talked about l- reading the tea leaves, so to speak, looking to see where we are right now and being nimble enough to uh, use your business or set up your business to be able to take advantage or, or to do different things to sort the shortfalls. And so, again, people ask me about investing, and I don't I don't give out Tips in terms of like um, uh, companies, but I would just say again, like if you're looking at investing, take a look around you, see what's what, what's really really going on. You know, you know, what are people spending their money on? What are things that are popular? And that may give you a good indication, a good indicator as to where to go. So great show, uh, as always here on the Urban Business Roundtable, Professor Rashid Carter. Thanks for all that you do, uh, and Terry Jones, uh, co I mean founder of Travelocity.com. We appreciate what you do, Sonia Levon, our producer. Mighty Titus, who's on vacation, but we have a, a gentleman sitting in for him today who's doing a phenomenal job, and so thank you again. Keep up that same energy because you got to see me at 11 a.m. on c Flip C-Flips. C-Flips. Um, so great information. So, hey, thanks, everybody, for what you do. Pick up the book, The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor at www, I mean, www.CurtisRMonday.com. I don't do this for my first name. I do this for my last name. Chance Jordan Monday, Daddy Loves You. i got to go. Say what you want to about me, but always know that I did it my way. God bless.